All right, Pittsburgh, this is the Death Star here, and you are listening to MMA Fancast. Tune in. Oh, baby, what time is it? You're listening to MMA Fancast. Here are your hosts, Jim Mooney and Luke Payson. Welcome to the show. My name's Luke. Today we are joined by Ann New, Bantamweight Champion of the World for Valor Fighting Challenge, Jeremy the Adonis Mitchell. Jeremy, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Always a great time. Well, it's great having you. We've had you on the show a couple times, and the last time we had you on the show was going into this Valor Fighting Championship fight that you had for the uh, Bantamweight title down there in Tennessee. You just fought a few days ago and won in the first round, so walk us through the fight first. Oh, man. So um, when I first got out of the cage, I actually ended up apologizing to my whole team. Uh, the fight felt terrible. Uh what it felt like from, you know, the beginning was I went out and I uh, threw, threw my uh, the combo I'd anticipated and kind of felt. I, I decided that ha- I'd had a pre-planned combo had I felt something. I felt that thing through the combo, and I, I felt like he kind of cut my combo off. And so it was, um, it was a weird start. And then I threw my head kick, and the head kick landed, but he teeped me off balance. And so I had to, uh, you know, reposition myself. I hurried up and got to my feet, but I still ended up pinned against the cage. And so it felt like a very bad start. I got my underhooks. I, uh, I attempted the takedown. almost got the takedown, and he reversed it. So at this point, I'm like, man, this is not going my way. Now, never was I did I, did I think that I wasn't going to get the end result. It was just more like, ah, I've got to deal with all of this while I'm trying to obtain this end result. And then, um, yeah, the finish happened. I uh, got the takedown, got the finish. And um, honestly, it was like it was definitely uh, – I, I thought it would be more surprising. But I told you uh, in the buildup that I had been kind of just like visualizing it and um, playing it over in my head a thousand times, and it just it, it felt familiar and truly relieving. Um, in a weird way, relieving in the sense of it shows that visualization does work. Um, and so does hard work. So, but yeah, honestly, the inside of the fight, it felt way worse. And I got out and watched the video and it looked nothing like what it felt. <laughs> well, you bring up a good point that time mm-hmm. slows down when you're in the cage. And obviously as the fighter, you have to focus second by second on what's happening. And sometimes it's hard to appreciate what is happening until after it's over, clearly. Um, now, when you took him down, you, you got him in a situation where you ended up with the rear naked choke. What, like how often do you finish with that in practice? Is that one of your go-tos or is that kind of a surprise for you? So I, I know I went on a lot of fights with it, um, but truthfully in the gym, I almost, I get the position uh, quite often, but hardly ever do I finish the position. Um, I think the, the ability to truly use ground and pound uh, makes the position way more uh, damaging in the fight because you're in real danger of being TKO'd. And even from just a good back mount position, even if you can stay uh, conscious, you can be deemed so unable to defend yourself that the ref will still stop the fight. Absolutely. So it's a very um, dangerous position in a fight. When I got there, it was kind of like, ah, uh, no, not again, like another rear naked choke. Like, I really wanted to uh, to either get the ground and pound finish or, um, you know, try to stay standing. But 
truthfully, the way I see it is uh, flow state took over. I did what I did. And when I was going for the choke and I could feel that it was locked in, I was, you know, I'm there to do a job. I'm there to get the finish. And I, I wasn't going to pass it up just to, you know, uh, satisfy my own ego, I guess, of going for the TKO. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it makes sense because a TKO kind of shows maybe a little bit more control in a way, but obviously a submission is the, is the highlight of the other person saying that they can't be in there it, it, with the fight anymore for you. Um, when you think about, I know you've been watching some of the, or at least following some of the Dana White contender series. He mm -hmm. talks afterwards a lot, just about finish rate, not so much if it's submissions or stoppages. So I, I can encourage you, A, it's a great time where you can finish in under two minutes, but it's also good because it doesn't leave any doubt. It makes it very clear. But this is, to my knowledge, one of the first times you fought professionally at 135. And I was following you on Facebook and your cut and kind of all your nutrition. You were doing nutrition videos. Talk about the cut and the nutrition and then talk a little bit about the YouTube channel you now have and the fact that you're putting content out on this YouTube channel, everything from working out to you being a fighter and, and more. So uh, the weight cut, honestly, was I, I made the weight – better than I've made featherweight any other time. And when it came to fight night, I felt looser. I felt better than I'd ever felt on any fight day. And honestly, on just like any day-to-day of -day, uh, any time, uh, my, there was no inflammation in my body. I could warm up forever. I remember we did the shakeout that morning, and I thought that I did like a good 10, 15 minutes on mitts just to crack a sweat. And I put my heart rate monitor on just to make sure I didn't go over, you know, a certain point. Cause I wanted to warm my body up, but not tire it out. And I ended up hitting mitts for like 40 minutes before I even like, I didn't even realize it. We, we hit mitts for 40 minutes and I had no clue. I thought we'd been 15 minutes long. It was like, no matter what I did, I just couldn't get tired. And then <clears throat> You know, like I said, we, we did the cut in two baths, uh, easiest cut I've ever had. And uh, I actually woke up on fight weight the morning of weigh-ins and had to cut no more. I, I went to sleep two pounds over. I ate the night of the weight cut and then still weighed in two pounds underweight. I ended up weighing at 133.6. So, the, the, you know, Tracy, the lady I work with that does my nutrition, she's an absolute genius. I just... Uh, the preparation was tedious and very, very calculated, um, but the actual cut itself was like cake. Now, as far as my YouTube channel goes, I, I want to pump out a lot of content there. It's a, I feel like it's a good opportunity to let people see what I do, even if it's only a glimpse, and um, you know, allow them to be kind of more into what I do and be a part of it uh, instead of just what I see. Because or what, what they would see off my Instagram because Instagram, you know, it shows you a picture or a minute long video of my life and it doesn't really allow you. It, it makes you very unrelatable. And I feel like social media has a very weird way of making all of us seem like we live life. And so for me, the YouTube channel was an opportunity to show people what I do and, uh, you know, let them see into it more. Uh, I feel like, even the, the fighters that do that try to spend too much time not letting out secrets or trying to portray something throughout their YouTube channel. And my kind of goal with uh, even martial arts or my YouTube channel overall 
is um, to kind of be like a fresh breath for everybody. Uh, somebody that's genuinely original and lets you see them for who they are, not somebody that is trying to sell you a persona. And also I want to use it to educate people, you know, uh, to, to create a, like an educational value because a lot of people, like I said, same thing with anybody on YouTube, they only want to give you certain things that they can sell you. And I want to give people truthful advice, truthful tips, truthful education with no price tag attached to it. And, um, yeah, so that's kind of my goal with my YouTube channel, man, is to educate and, um, to inspire. So. Well, it's nice that you have a lot of thinking that goes behind it. I mean, it's good that you have a plan with it, that you want, like you said, you want to be relatable. You want to be open. Speaking of that, something that you put on a lot of your social media posts is the phrase, I think you hashtag it or the phrase glory to God. Talk about like what that is to you. Cause obviously this is a great platform you have uh, to talk about whatever that means to you, your faith and kind of your, your purpose of bringing that up to your social media. Um, so I, I feel like everybody, everybody has a purpose, obviously. Um, you could find that on any roses sticker, like thing that would hang up in your room. But, uh, for me, truthfully, I, I do think everybody has a purpose. And at the end of the day, my purpose to be here on earth is not to fight somebody in a cage. It's not to, um, you know, do a YouTube channel. It's uh, people get caught up thinking that their career is their purpose. Mm -hmm. My career is my outlet for my purpose. My purpose for me is to inspire people to live a better life. And, and for me, uh, religion plays a large, mm -hmm. um, a large factor in my morals. Um, and with that being said, I just try to lead and show people what I believe. And I, I'm not necessarily trying to force it on anybody or anything. I just, um, to me, I feel as if everything that I accomplish isn't necessarily what I accomplished. It was what I did with the willpower, the discipline, and the opportunities that God has put in my life. So the glory isn't to me, it's to God. And so I, I kind of just want to show everyone, like I said, a, a breath of fresh air. Everybody in mixed martial arts is obsessed with me, 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 I, I, I. And um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a selfish sport, and I do that at times. But truthfully, like I said, none of that's possible without God. God had soldiers, and um, I, I, I would like to, you know, be one of those today, a modern day. Absolutely. Well, like you were saying, it, it's, it's mentally healthy, emotionally healthy, and spiritually healthy to recognize that what you do is not who you are. We have this philosophy almost that, like, the your job, your career, we even introduce ourselves that way to people. But I like the expression, we're human beings, not human doings, because mm -hmm. our existence is more valuable, who we are as a person, morals, the way we treat ourselves and others, our faith is more important than just what we do to punch the time clock, whether it's physically punching the time clock like you do yeah. with someone <laughs> else's face, or whether it's some other type of some other type of job. Another thing that you put out there a lot on social media since I wanted you brought it up and I wanted to talk about it was uh, clean cut uh, killers. That's something that you bring up a lot. What is that? Is that a merchandise? Is that a slogan? What, what do you do with that? Um, it is a merchandise. Technically it's a, it's a company that I run it right now. It would be a clothing brand. We would like to get into uh, mixed martial arts gear, eventually supplements and other stuff as well. Um, so I would like it to, 
you know, eventually you could, you know, you have your clean cut killer boxing gloves, your clean cut killer t-shirt and your clean cut killer pre-workout. Like I, uh, I want to take over all the avenues, but um, to me, clean cut killers is, you know, like uh, the guy in the cent- the corner of the room that you wouldn't expect to be the most dangerous guy in the room. He's the little guy that you think you can push around and he, really he's an assassin. You should have picked the, the tattooed big muscle guy because he isn't half as dangerous as this little guy. Uh, kind of like a Jackie Chan, Bruce Lee type mm-hmm. thing. Sure. And, um, you know, I'm just like a nerdy little kid, man. Like I'm just a 23-year-old nerd. And I go in here and I fight people that look like world beaters. And uh, so to me, that's the clean-cut killer's look. So, yeah. Well, sure. I was going to say a lot of times you even have little spectacles, little glasses on that really, <laughs> yeah. that really put that look together. So I figured that's what it was. It'll be interesting. I can't wait to, to follow your journey. I think starting with clothing line makes a lot of sense. People like to buy gear. You were having uh, people, you know, model your gear. And who was the little girl that modeled your fight shirt? Oh, that's my little girl, man. That's, uh, oh, that's my daughter, Sophia. There you go. Okay. <laughs> and so she was, I didn't, I didn't know if that was your daughter or your niece, but I figured she was connected. So how happy was Sophia to be your model for that shirt? <laughs> uh, she was so excited because uh, she did the same thing with Todd. Um, if she has a shirt that matches me or her mom, she is excited. Like, um, <laughs> Sure. thrilled she ran through the whole house and she was like uh got the same shirt as dad we got to show mommy come on dad and grabbed my hand and ran through the house man uh she she truthfully is like the um the most amazing thing it's it's crazy every day waking up and just seeing how much she learns and absorbs it uh is truthful like truthfully the best feeling in the whole world uh you know having her greet you good morning or just learning something there's hearing her say something new that she learned is the best film in the whole world. It's worth 10 titles, you know? Well, I think that's the, the mindset that'll keep you grounded because you can get caught up in uh, even the success you're having now. It is success. Your first uh, professional title is a big deal. You're undefeated at three and out. Um, and so I think it's great to recognize that who you are as a father, who you are, in other areas of your relationships are more important than just what you're doing in the cage because we've seen, we won't use names, but we've seen people reach the highest level in the cage, but then who they are as people, maybe in their closest relationships tend to fall apart. So it's great to see that value um, and those morals, like you said. Now, going, going forward, you're at 135 with your weight cut and how you performed. Are you comfortable saying, I, I somewhere on social media you mentioned being uh, you feel like you're the best bantamweight. So it, are you at bantamweight because you had been competing at featherweight? Is this the new kind of push? Yes, uh, bantamweight is a hundred percent my division. Uh, I, I don't care the level. I don't care if it's regional. I don't care if it's national. I don't care if it's global. Um, it doesn't matter. I feel as I'm at the top of any top fifteen anywhere you put me. Uh, if you sign me to the UFC today, I, I think I can compete in the top 15. You give me the top 15 ranked Bantamweight, and I'm going to knock him out of the top 15. Uh, so, yes, absolutely, 100% Bantamweight is where I want to stay. I'm very, very large for the weight class. Um, although the cut was easy, it's still a large cut. So I don't know where I'll be when I'm, you know, 26, 27, right. even 25. But uh, right now, yes, as far as I see in my near, like, in the future, I'll, I'll be at a bantamweight. 
Well, and given the time frame, the weird times of 2020 with the pandemic and the fact that we met each other um, in mid-March right before the pandemic hit and you were going to have a fight then and obviously that got canceled the day of and then you, you probably would have had more fights. The turnaround time. Dana White has talked about having a contender series in November because they're going to go mm-hmm. over to Abu Dhabi, do some stuff over there and come back. Are you potentially looking to get a, a quick fight now to go, let's say, 4-0 and then be aiming mm-hmm. at November? Is that something you've considered? So I have two names on my list uh, right. regionally that I would like to fight. Uh, and one of those, um, he has a bout scheduled for October the 3rd. Uh, everything goes well there, then I, I guess he'll be my clear-cut uh, number one contender. Um, and that would be Dre Miley. Uh, I would love to step in there with him. I feel like he has a he has a solid record. Uh, he would be eight and three, assuming he wins his next bout, and it would uh, it would look pretty on my record to make him my trophy. So if he can get work done on October the third, um, I, I would certainly like to fight him. Uh, with that being said, also in the cage after my fight, there's a guy named Cole Farrell. He's ten and zero as well. I would like to uh, I'd like to get in there with him. Uh, either way, you know. I'm open to whichever one. Uh, like I said, Dre gets the job done, then I guess it'll be him. Uh, but uh, other than that, man, uh, I'd like to try to go straight to the UFC. Like I said, so if, if Dre could get it done in October and then we could have a quick turnaround, then I would like to, uh, I'd like to try to make it 4-0 and go straight into the UFC uh, and make it onto the November Contender Series, try to get two more fights this year. If that didn't happen, I'll have to knock uh, Dre and Cole off my list and then go into the UFC at 5-0. So. Well, and you bring up, it's, it's great that you have a game plan. It's, it's also good to see such good talent out there on the regional circuit. You know, that's, that's what we're seeing more and more with Dana White Contender Series is really your career is built. You might get the money and the accolades in the UFC when people, you know, get there, but your career is really built on the regional circuit because if you, and we've seen people do this, they pad their record, they get a great record, they get to the UFC, they get wiped out in like two or three fights and they're out. And then we've seen other people, I recently had the Kosi brothers on this show and they did a great job, but they had the challenge of, you know, people on the regional circuit not wanting to fight them. Now they're in the UFC. So with, with those two gentlemen that you mentioned, it's great to see that you have a game plan. And obviously if you're able to fight one or both of them, like you said, that puts you really looking at not just being 5-0 and potentially, but also the number of opponents they have beaten. You know, like you said, you take their trophy from them. Um, so I, it's been great having you back on the show. As always, it's a, a privilege. What we'd like to do is wrap it up for today and then have you back on whenever your next show gets scheduled. So thanks so much for coming on the show, Jeremy.